This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,593, recorded October 18th, 2000. The news is writ. A short new treatise concerning thought, it says, in those parts. Uno parmento. Part one. Thoughts are not things, but are things about things. Thoughts are not things, but carriers of pictures about things. Thoughts would be better called references to things, but not a thing themselves. Speaking and thinking of thoughts as them being things is a radical error and the cause of much misunderstanding. Part two, taking serious type thoughts that pass through you seriously supports the confusing illusion that you, the thought haver, are an individual independent being, which under such conditions you are no more than an ooze hole, a local franchise outlet for the collective mind of mankind. Concussion. <laughs> Taking thoughts to be an actual thing makes you take you to be one also. Bad boy. Bad boy. Now sit. Now lay down and be quiet. So I guess that's self-explanatory. I don't have any idea whether any of you have ever considered the matter in this way. I have never seen it done, never heard it done, and I, based upon myself, have an immediate grasp, I would assume, I would project, I would imagine, of the slight difficulty thought will have in grasping this as simple as it is. But once you see it, even for a second, if you lose it, once you see it, it could not be more obvious. I hope. I tried to bring this up several nights ago in a different fashion. Understood then the difficulty, but here we go again. And if we're not to just spin our little wheelsies, do not take this as metaphorical. Try and think about thought. Try and look in your own head while I'm saying this. Now, I've been saying it in other ways, look over your shoulder and et cetera, and it's very easy. Well, it's expected you take that metaphorically because thoughts don't have shoulders. Well, I've never seen any that do. I don't know what kind of deformed thoughts you people may associate with. But this is not metaphor of any sort, and it's simply this. Thoughts are not a thing. They are things about things. They are references to things. Any thought you have is about something. And it generally, from my own experience and from observing and understanding about life outside me, the norm, you do not think without thoughts. You do not think without having words. 
And the words always refer to something in the physical world, something that happened in the past, something that you imagine may happen. Guess that about covers it. <laughs> but you have, when I talk about thought, and I talk about more than you've ever heard in your life, but I say, well, thought this, thought that, as though it's something. And there literally is no such thing as a thought. If you're having a thought, it's not a thought. That's erroneous to say that. You're having a thought that is a reference to something. It is carrying foremost, I would say, you can look at this any way you care to, but it is foremost carrying a sound. It is carrying words, and right immediately with the words, go pictures. But without these words, without those pictures, there's no such thing as thought. It is a medium. Well, I knew. See, I was right. It's difficult to see because if you saw that head on, some of you would have fallen down on the floor. I'm sure you would have. It's not theory. It's not metaphor. It's not allegory. It's a fact. Thoughts are not a thing. You do not have a thought. I'm sorry, I can't go on. My heart's broken. <laughs> I fought it all these years, but tonight it's just too much. I'm over the hill. It's, you broke my back. That nothing happened. That at least one person didn't go, Holy Jesus, and smoke come out of your ears, and you jump up and leave the room. Well... I shouldn't have brought it up so early because now I've got nothing else to talk about. What could be more real to an ordinary human being? A fully functioning, conscious human being. To say you're conscious means you're having conscious thoughts. So what is more a part of our reality? What is more of the sensation of us being alive? We know physically... You're having some sensation. Some of you drinking coffee. Some of you may have a headache. Some of you, at any given moment, are shifting in the chair. So we know we're physically alive. But in the truest sense, in the individual sense, in the most personal, the most private of senses, how do you feel? You being you. It's through conscious thought, whatever's going on, except to refer to thought as something to call thought something is an absolute, readily observable error. Thought is not a thing. Thought is a medium. If you're not, if it's not making reference to something else, never itself, because there's nothing there. Which right here, if you ever see it, surely it'd be one way that then you realize the trick, so to speak, that we play on ourselves all of our life. That is that you? Someone asked me. Go well, sure. Who else is it? That's being asleep. That's being ordinary. It's not supposed to bother you. I don't know what happened to people like us. Not supposed to upset you. It ain't supposed to interest you. There's some weirdo like me or you came along to somebody and said, "How can you say that that's you?" When somebody says, "Is that you?" and you go, "Yeah," don't you realize what that is? Don't you realize what's going on? And if you tried to tell them as best you could, if you were trying to imitate something you heard from me, if you just, well, if you just told them this, you just said, there's no you that's saying that. 
If you just tried to put it as simply as I've put it recently, I'm trying to put it even more simply. Not more simply. I'm trying to tell the truth rather than lie about it. I've had to pretend, but we've all pretended all of our lives that thought is something. But so if you just told an ordinary person, don't you realize that that is not you saying that that's you? That's simply electrochemical activity, cellular activity in one general area of your brain, one identifiable area of your brain. There's no you in there. It's that. It's the same kind of that that figures out how to do your income taxes, that daydreams. It's not a you. It's just a fluctuating physiological operation that happens to be able to have pictures, to see pictures that do not exist, that can talk to itself and hear itself. And if you told an ordinary person that, they go, so? Obviously, some of you don't need to go through this, but think you said, boy, isn't that something? Isn't that flabbergasting? They'd go, no. you go, well, all right, how about this? Isn't that at least interesting? they go, no. And if you're a real lady, I guess you might say, well, how about this? Couldn't I entice you to consider that it's that thing passing itself off as you that's right now answering my question saying it has no interest in that? How about that, huh? they go, get out of here. It's only us. I can quite truthfully, I can see it this way, and I can describe it this way with complete, complete comfort putting it this way to you. That all being asleep, all that wanting to wake up is, is having an unusual, an unnatural, compared to everyone else, an unnatural awareness that thoughts are not things. Now, you may have never, you or anyone else might have never put it in those words, which is not really that important, but I say to you that that is a genuine description of what the desire to awaken is, what's driving people like us, what creates the interest, is that we have an abnormal, an unnatural, a singular, a special, a peculiar (coughs) awareness Now, that's just one way of putting it, of course, but that thoughts are not things. Everyone else says thoughts are things. Everyone else says God exists, for instance. Everybody else says there's life after death, or some, of course, say there's not. But if somebody says there's life after death, or somebody says it's important whether you believe in God or not, or if they say it's important whether you vote or not, it's important whether you believe that a change in our political parties, political power, can change your life for the better or the worse. It's important that you believe in such as that. Now, even if you had never analyzed it this way, I say to you, not the weekend mystics, but the real ones. Still assume there's, I always want to say, at least more than one on the planet than me, but I know there's at least a few of us, since I know some of you personally. But amongst a few people, they understand in some way whether they ever... I don't know whether they'd ever run across somebody like me or do it on their own, but if they never put it in these words, it doesn't matter. I'm saying to you that it's a valid description that people who become interested in this idea, what is bothering them, what is driving this, is that they are aware of the fact that what's presented as mental fact does not exist. That you are at least two countries, two lifetimes, two steps, two oceans removed 
from realizing what's going on to think that it's a serious question to say, for instance, it's just one, but to say, does God exist? Does man live by some fated destiny? Do we have free will? Any of those questions, I say to you that a real, one of us really, what's bothering you is that you know that the question's invalid. And to say, well, it's important. Do you believe in God or not? You realize that's not the question. The question is, do I believe in that question? <laughs> and you don't. You realize that something is very peculiar. It has nothing. It, it has to do with the question. It has to do with what's going on that produces these questions. It doesn't have anything to do with a damn answer. That doesn't have anything to do with the damn subject. Is there? Don't even bother. Don't even finish it. It doesn't matter what the rest of the question is. And as I keep trying to slip in on you, a serious man is an idiot. Or a moron, for those of you that take idiocy personally. A serious man understands nothing. As soon as you hear someone begin to speak seriously, or to pose for a publicity photograph, knowingly, looking serious. But back to the speech. As soon as you hear someone say, <clears throat> I, you can forget it. Some of you can hear it. As soon as you hear that a man's about to speak seriously about thinking matters, then it, for, he, he's already confessed that he does not understand what thought is. He does not understand that thought is not a thing. That's a carrier of words. There, I've said it. I was going to hold that off and drag this out for a long time so I wouldn't have to think of anything new. I'm going to milk it. No, I didn't. I just said that. I always liked the idea that maybe some of you I could still upset a little that you might go, would he do something like that? And of course, you did. I'm hoping now I'd recognize it and go, Jesus, get a grip. But at any rate, whether you fell for it or not, it doesn't matter. I fell for it because I said it. What are thoughts? What do they carry? What do they refer to? And you could answer this several ways, but the one that I liked for a long time and I still like is their word references. Now, they conjure pictures. But when we talk about thought, and everyone nods, us, the rest of the world, but us. And you do it to yourself. That Yes, I know what thoughts are. I'm struggling with them. I try to stop them. I try to call out certain ones. I try to calm them down. I try to slow them down. Whatever it is. From one view, that's idiocy. Because you're looking at the wrong thing. Such as people looking at the question, is there life after death? And you look at the question, you go, my God, that could be important. Well, I guess it is important. No, it's not. Of course, an ordinary person can say it's important because they think them dying is important. I don't know how you call the inevitable important. That's why I say life is not important or life is not serious. It'd have to be something inevitable to be serious. It'd be like if you had a choice between dying, assuming that we still take that as being most people's idea of the most serious thing possible, if it if you had your choice, that you can make certain efforts and not die, or not make the efforts and die, then I'd say that's serious business. Assuming you consider the outcome serious anyway. 
But if it's inevitable, what kind of idiot, what kind of use of conscious thought is it to be concerned about it, to take it seriously? Thought carries words. What else are you going to call it? What does it do? Now, if you've never looked at it point blank, if I, if I ask you, back when I used to pull this kind of stuff and thought you were cooperating, if I said, well, everyone go home until next time I see you, and just ponder yourself, just work on the matter, ask yourself, really, just start from scratch like you didn't know anything. I say, do you know what thought is? And everyone goes, yeah, I know what. You know, I think all the time. Thoughts are going through me. You can think, you can think of it as them passing through you or you doing it. I assume that you're up to the point now that the first possibility is too obscene, too ridiculous to even consider anymore. As faulty as words can be, I don't know that anyone of you can seriously any further, unless you're just taking a nap and don't, don't even hear yourself, but that you can say, well, I think so and so. The think goes through you. Whatever the think is you're referring to, it magically pops into your head. But you have got to be asleep, that is, be an idiot, that is, believe that those thoughts are you and that you're saying, yes, I have those thoughts, or I sometimes have that thought, or I do have that thought. I do hold that thought. I assume that in a rancid moment, lucid moment, that you would not fall for that, that at least you would try and refresh, rehabilitate your own thinking of the matter and say, well, that thought does occur to me. That thought does magically appear in the Disneyland of my brain. But if you look at the content, such as, is there life after death? The thought will say that's important. A man can say that's important. But no one ever looks at the matter of where did the question come from? What's the basis of the question? There is no basis. There is no rational basis for being interested or questioning the inevitable. I could use that, I've almost have before, but as a definition of being awake, as a man who doesn't trouble himself with the inevitable. But then every time I do it, then I want to end up by saying, so, why do you even trouble yourself with the inevitable fact that we're all asleep? And nobody ever sends me a congratulatory, congratulatory note on having pointed that out. No one has ever thanked me for sharing that view <laughs> which I take as a good sign if you just if I ask you to just consider what thought is pretend that you're starting with a blank page what would you come up with now if you didn't watch it and I'm saying you now let's just speak generically a person trying to be sincere about this if I said really there's something that you've overlooked pretend that you really know nothing about thought other than the fact that you say you know what it is, that it does occur in your head, that you readily say, oh yeah, I know what it is. Right, pretend that that's all you know, that there's something and you believe it's thought, and if I say to you, you have missed something of supreme significance. So, just for me, take my word for it. Pretend that you know nothing, and that you're starting off, there it is, you can observe it anytime you want to, make of it what you will, start all over, and don't accept any description that you've already used. Don't accept any view of what thought is. That you're starting off pristinely. 
what would you see? What could you come up with? And I'll bypass all that crap. Save you the time. And I'm going to tell you what it should be by now. Would just very shortly, if not immediately, if you could get the right running jump at this, you could back up, stand around and spit, and drag your toe in the sand, and then look up real quick, and where you used to see what your new thought was, if you now saw just sort of an open field, and then maybe put your head down or up, I don't know what, like a raging bull, and just ran at it right quick. And then just when you got out in the middle of the open field and you think, all right, now I'll look up and see what I can find out about thought, you might just raise up and get it. And what I mean by get it is you're going to see thought is not a thing. And that is astounding when you see it. And yet all of you still sit here and you're looking at me and I can see you people out in tape, especially a bunch of you in <laughs> California, looking at me blankly like I guess I'll have to interpret it as I will. At least you're smart enough to look blankly. I always look blankly. I mean, well, even ordinary people know that. If you're dumbfounded at what's being said, look blank. <laughs> That's the first line of defense. Because then the person trying to examine your face, if you look really blank, they can read into it what they want. They can decide, ah, well, they're getting it. So, at least I give you credit for that. But it is astounding, I say, to actually see for yourself that simple, obvious fact, and I don't know how better to put it. I could have put it, and I have in the past many times, allegorically. But thought, it's a noun. And I say, you have thoughts? You go, yeah, they happily just all the time. But have you ever stopped and you look and what you call a thought? It's normally a picture. It's a short scene of something. It's magic. I don't know if you've ever read that people used to faint. People used to run from theaters, little arcades, when they first started showing moving pictures. The people could not believe it. That they would look up there on the wall... And suddenly they turn in the lights and it's everybody sit down. We're going to see something you paid your nickel to get in. Now we're going to show you something that has never been seen. And suddenly look up on the wall and there's humans. There's a guy riding a horse across the wall. There were riots by all history. And that's been, no, that's been not much more than 100 years ago. Your grandfather's time. The people ran screaming. People ran to see priests and rabbis. They wanted to come back and hold an exorcism. I'm going to tell you, there's something similar. I say to you, they'll hit you. And I, you're sitting there. I know that you say, well, I know that. Trust me, you don't. You haven't seen it head on. It is magic. They used to call movies originally magic lanterns. I got off on this on my own head. I didn't tell you. But they were nothing, as amazing as it must have seemed to your grandparents or your great-grandparents. Just out, have no knowledge of it. Remember, what were we talking about? 1870, 1880, what life was like. And if they suddenly walked into a room, people turned on the lights and they said, look up there on the wall. And suddenly, and they saw before they turned the lights, there's a blank wall. They're sitting there right in front of it. And suddenly they look and there's people. There are people dancing. There's a guy runs out and jumps on a horse and drives off, and then a train comes by, or maybe comes right out the camera. 
They called it, before they called it a movie projector in movies, they called it Magic Lantern. I don't know whether anybody, I'm sure you don't. It's not a big deal, but to appreciate the magic that goes on in our brain, and it goes on all the time. As I was talking just then, sitting in a room, looking on a blank wall, if you were listening, you were doing a picture. You were seeing the Magic Lantern time was playing in me going, and I walk into a room, and you imagine walking in a room somewhere. God knows what. You might find this interesting. Sometimes it's to, come, it's to try and figure out where do you get all of these stock footage that you see. <coughs> I mentioned this a couple of years ago, but it didn't seem to be doing good. And now tonight, maybe I got the right time. But if I was really describing, if I said, let me tell you, I met a guy one time that really knew something about waking up. In fact, uh, if you're interested, it was, uh, I don't know, it was, hell, 20 years ago, but I was in Paris in a little cafe. Sing there in a cafe. And if you're listening, you start seeing movies. You people that's never been out of Georgia or the United States, where did you get the stock footage? As you know, you can buy, I assume you know, that there are companies that specialize that you can buy stock footage to fill in and movies and TV. You, you buy the full royalties, the full rights to it. But it's just stock footage if you need the scene like of Niagara Falls or if you need a scene that you're doing a movie. And you don't, and it's supposed to be set in Paris, or at least one scene is, and you want to show the Champs Elysees, and you see, you know, cars rolling. You can go, and for a reasonable amount of money, you can buy like a 30 second clip of looking right down the main boulevard of Paris, and you buy the full rights to it, to use it once, and you stick it in your film, where it says that the guy looks out the window, oh, yeah, it's great here to be in Paris. And he goes over this window. Of course, they're on a lot or in somebody's apartment in New York. He opens a window. Then you see you know, downtown Paris for 30 seconds, 15 seconds, and it goes back. You didn't have to go all the way to down Paris. You know, that's, that's kind of clever in a business sense. But that's child's play. But where did you get your stock footage? As I said, that's not real important because obviously, oh, you know. Obviously, you get most of it from the movies and television. But the thing is, you didn't think about it, and it's still magic. And I say, all right, anyway, I wasn't expecting anything. I was just in Paris, passing through. And I'd stop, and I was sitting out, it was on a, it was an afternoon, and I was sitting out of Sidewalk Cafe. And you say, that area of your brain comes up with movies. It sees something going on. If you have been there, you start replaying your own, and at the same time, you can hear me talk. You're still listening. And if you had been there, or if you're not, if you're it's some particular scene out of a movie, you may hear a piece of dialogue. You're still listening to me, and that part of your brain can still project. Let's say that you have been there. And that uh, for some reason there's at least one memory. And perhaps you were there long enough that you sat in sidewalk cafes more times than you can remember. And yet I say, all right, I was sitting there one afternoon in Paris. And I was just a little neighborhood sidewalk cafe. Maybe you even narrow it down that you said in big ones, but then you lived in a small neighborhood for a while in this little hotel. And so you picture yourself there. And even while I'm talking, you may picture conversation. Now, so you picture your brain is turning this out. Not only that scene, but you also remember that uh, a guy you had met, another American the night before, happened to walk past your table and went, hey. So you found this neighborhood, too. This electrical chemical energy, this thing we call thought, which doesn't exist, 
carries pictures, carries words, carries conversations, but there is no such thing as thought. And to attack thought, back to really where the point was, to attack thought in any way, which is really to say to even speak of it, to refer to it. For me to say that the whole point is for thought to understand itself is not true. It's not valid. The effort to do so is, in the same way that the people of the effort as has been called for so long to observe yourself, to remember yourself, to remember yourself is a better description, is a quite valid approach. It's a valid description. Except I say to you, I bet you there hasn't been one person, let's assume a million people throughout history, has adopted that as the way to achieve a new state of consciousness. Half a million. Out of a half a million people. I'd be surprised if anything over four or five, maybe ten people at the most, ever caught on to what they were doing, to what that, to the basis of that. The other half million all said, well, I can't do it. And I'd be waiting like, and? And there is no and. That is, it's not, well, I can't do it. And? I won't give it all. I can't do it. And that made me realize, zippity doo die. But there is never an and. Thought cannot understand itself. The effort to do so, I found to have been uh, more operative to describe it that way. That's the mind trying to understand itself. It's thought. In fact, I took it down, as you know, to the level of the cells down to the cellular level, which all we can do is just speak of it. It's, it's true. We know it's true. Physiologically, literally, we know it's true that all we are is a bunch of cells stuck together and that everything that's happening originates, at least in us, originates at the cellular level. Whatever's going on, whether it be thinking or digesting of food or the fighting off of a virus, a bacteria, it is going on cellularly in some location. That's where everything originates, looking at it from the human level. So I can say that it's even the cellular activity in the brain that results, that produces what we call conscious thought, is that cellular activity, the cells themselves, trying to understand themselves, trying to understand their origins, trying to identify what they are and what they're doing. The effort is all right, but to believe that it's going to pay off on the basis the belief is going to be to pay off in the way in which the effort has been described surely must be curious to you now, problematic, troublesome. Because it's supposed to reveal something else. And what it reveals is that thought is not a thing. What the cellular activity is doing that we say, well, it results in thought. It's an activity. It doesn't result in anything. And yet you think, well, does it? And you think, yes. Because what you're thinking is the result. What you're thinking is a thing. It was a thought. It's a conclusion. It's a fact. I think. I go, yeah, but there's no such thing as thoughts. And thoughts go, 
Well, how am I having this thought? But if you look, there is no thought. There's words and there are pictures. What we call thoughts, just for a second, since we've got to use words, thoughts are not things. They're not there. It's an activity that refers to somewhere else. It is a reference. Well, if you see it, uh, I thought maybe that'd be the easiest way is when I brought it up first. If you see it as a medium. Of course, a medium, we're stuck with the way the mind works. A medium always entails some physical entity. And the only physical entity involved with this is the brain itself. As you could say, a medium for the moving of water would be a pipe. And if there's no water in there and you look in the pipe, it's empty. And so I could say there is no pipe. And you go, yeah, there's the thing. You go, yeah, but it doesn't amount to anything. If it's empty, the pipe is useless. The pipe is, un is inoperable. But you see, with that, you can't go anywhere because you can still learn. You go, well, damn, you got a pipe. And thought cannot see that same situation regarding the brain churning out conscious thought. It cannot see that it is an empty medium. It is a non-existent medium because it's not even the medium. The brain is. Well, I spent, by my very loose offhand reckoning, uh, an easy, what, year, year and a half, well, at least a year, good solid year, saying thought does not exist. It just doesn't exist. Now, I'll leave the subject or I'll appear to change it. But over the last year, that has been what I have hammered on. That's not even a decent description. That's why I'm trying to get you to take in your to your own hands. If you will look, there's a better, there's not a better description I'd give it to you. I'm trying tonight. <clears throat> but the description fails in light of you seeing for yourself. If you just look up there, and I'm giving you the best way that i found to, to approach it, that thoughts are not a thing. Forget for a moment that thoughts are not there. Pretend I changed the subject. Well, that wasn't the best description. So forget that for the moment. <clears throat> and take it on the fact that you look up or on the base of you look up, consider what's going on before it it and your attempted looking become one and you get confused and become moronic. I'm sorry, you lapse back into ordinary consciousness. I should say, always get those confused. If you start with the approach, not that thoughts don't exist and just say, well, they don't exist, when you know something is wrong because that's a thought right there. To say thoughts don't exist, you know. Huh? But do this, forget that. That we're taking a new approach. That thoughts, what we call thoughts, what everybody thinks of as thoughts, are not things themselves, but they are references. That they are things about things. There is no such thing as a thought that's not about something else. It's not about itself. A pipe does not carry itself. A pipe is not a medium for a pipe. A frequently mod a frequency modulated wave is nothing unless it's carrying sound, unless it turns. The medium does not carry itself. It's not a medium. 
if that's all it is. But anyway, if you look up, there is no thought. Yeah. You know if I could think of another way to put it to you. But that's what did it for me. That there literally is no such thing as thought. And your whole life revolves around thought. But if you've been following me in this kind of course, you think about thought all the time. But you think about this thought and those kind of thoughts and how these kind of thoughts follow those thoughts. And it's just thought, 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 thought. When there is no such thing as a thought. There's a thought that is referring to something. Thought is a, what it amounts to is a non-existent medium. Because if it's not carrying something, the medium's not there. It's, there is nothing. It isn't a, it's a passive ability. Well, to me that did it. It's a medium. That every thought that I had is not a thought. It's a reference to something. And it's a reference to something physical. It's a, a reference to something that happened or it's a reference to something that may happen based upon things that have happened in the past because you can't imagine anything brand new. So all it does is show pictures. All it does is refer to something else. Well, I can't tell you what fun that was. <laughs> to actually see, there's no such thing as thought up there. It's not a theory. And it's not simply... Which is true, me saying there's nothing there. Look over their shoulder, there's nothing behind it, there's nothing supporting it. You can keep saying that, but as long as you're having to say that, you're having a thought about it, and therefore the thought cannot operate on the basis, ultimately, of accepting that it doesn't exist. Because you think, well, does it exist? And there's the answer. Or you say, well, I bet if he says it doesn't exist, I bet it doesn't exist. But right then, we're denying the fact. But you're thinking about, well, I bet he's right. He's always been right. He's usually right about this kind of stuff. So if he says it doesn't exist, by God, they don't exist. So right then, in a sense, you understand you're lying to yourself. Quite sincerely. Because you're having a thought about the fact that thoughts don't exist. And so right that second, the fact is no longer true. It's no longer operative. Because a fact does exist. So this was the other approach. That there is obviously something up there, but forget this idea about thoughts. I don't know who came up with the idea. It wasn't me. You can't blame me now. But that is the biggest bunch of hooey. That's the biggest lie. I mean, it's more likely that you will someday find a flying saucer, a big hurling pie plate full of little green people or mold in your backyard. There's a greater chance of that happening than there is of you ever finding a thought. Of course, that was just all hyperbole because you're not going to find a thought. <laughs> there is no such thing as a thought. You're saying it's gone from being, the way I saw it, it went from being a class. It went from being a species. That there is no such thing as a thought. There is, looks like a number. There, is a, there are a number of pictures and words that you have had, that you may have, or as I was going to say, it, we just, we'd have to come up with an algebraic figure, just X, of thoughts 
references that you could have, but there is no such thing as one thought. There is no, to call that a category of things, is a radical error. If you can see it. If you don't, it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter to ordinary people either. But I'm saying that it is a gross misdirection because there's nothing that qualifies as a thought. There is a thought about something, whatever it is. But remember, the something is always something away from you. It's something outside of you. It's something away. There is nothing in your brain. There is no thought up there. There is an activity that conjures up, remembers pictures, projects possible other pictures that it hasn't seen yet, based upon scenes it has seen. Well, my prediction is, my suggestion, when you begin to see it this way, it changes your whole relationship as to what the struggle to awaken is. Now, I don't really want to put it in complete black and white, this or that terms, but it's the sense that you are up against a formidable opponent, which apparently it is because I say to you that almost everyone who ever gets involved with this, they never see the bottom of the barrel. They never succeed at it. And everyone admits, well, being asleep... The state of sleep, I know to say ordinary people, I used to too, but they like to personalize it. Like ministers personalizing debt. We're going to get that demon of debt. I like that. That demon of sexual addiction. It's not something that you do. It's not an activity. It's not that you go out and spend money you don't have. It's not that you go out and engage in illicit or dangerous sexual behavior, or whatever it is. It's not that. It is that there is a demon. There is a thing. There is the, I hear it now. I don't guess anything new, but they call it the demon of debt, that there is an actual evil spirit that gets upon these good Christian folks. You know, in some way, I guess, holds an invisible gun to their head and makes them pull out credit cards and go in places and say, I'll take that and that and that. A demon. Next, with a straight face, which... I don't mean to make too much of it because we're doing the same thing by going, well, I have a thought. You have personalized something that is an activity. Going in debt is an activity. Engaging in illicit or immoral, whatever you call it, sex. Uh, taking drugs. That's an activity. But notice the mind will personalize something to the point, the reason I brought up about the demon of debt as I assume that you would get what I'm pointing at, the humor wasn't just making fun of the people that do it, but the mind will accept something that by any reasonable standard, thought will, is ridiculous. You could say, do any of these people, thousands of people going in these churches and listening to some guy preach about that if you only contribute you know, to our church and support us, we'll all pray for you and we'll get the demon of debt off of you. The curse I've even heard it called, heard ministers say that, the, that there was a curse of poverty on a whole family. And so how many of you had, to, not only you're poor yourself, but your parents were poor? But you know, that's like saying, is anybody here from New York? You know? <laughs> is everybody having a good time? Get the crowd going. Like, well, you people who are poor, how many of you actually had poor parents? Here comes a surprise. <laughs> Every hand the joint. All right, and how many of their parents, your grandparents, were poor? 
And you can see faces like people go, my God, this is, this is an eye-opening revelation. I never realized it. He goes, it's a curse of poverty has fallen upon your family. <laughs> to personalize, to turn into a noun, something that is not a noun. To turn into a thing, something that is not a thing. The mind has been doing it. It is not nefarious plots by ministers. Although it could be. <laughs> they're not quite smart enough for it to actually be a plot. It was done to them, and now they're simply passing along. In case you don't know how that works. The guy gets conned by a three-card money game. They clean him out first time in New York. Come back two weeks later, different corner. He's running the game. Of course, you can take that allegorically, or you could take that over to Bayonne. The mind will personalize something. That's what thought does, and I've explained it several ways. You can take your own version. It's like the thing doesn't exist, and it has to hype itself. It's the same reason I say to you that gossip exists. You can explain from several ways why people don't talk about themselves incessantly, why you can't stop people. Well, everybody does. It does. You can explain it in very infantile ways and say, well, it's a curse. It's the demon of vanity. Or you can take it more psychological and say, well, people that talk about themselves a lot, they have subconscious feelings of inadequacy from childhood traumas that they have yet to fully work out. As always, I try to, not for any reason but mine originally, to get to the point. And I say it is that something that doesn't exist must be hyped. You can't ever stop. I mean, if you're trying to sell non-existent land in Florida, non-existent, you can't simply put up a notice on one telephone pole somewhere or one ad in a paper saying very attractive, desirable land in Florida at a price unbelievably low and will not be repeated. Don't have to go through the rest of this scenario. You can't do that selling a non-existent item. If giving your heart to Jesus or God or Allah or whatever, the, if that was the universal, eternally significant matter, the religion, the people who promote it say it is, that it's a matter of your eternal soul, it's a matter of where you will spend forever, that kind of thing. If that was true, it would have to be said one time, one time to each person, that you realize if you don't join our church, if you don't believe, if you don't sign up with us, you'll suffer forever. Forever. Not just this lifetime, but forever. If that be true, it would take an absolute, a truly dyed-in-the-wool moron, not to say, where did I sign? You wouldn't have to come back and talk to him. You wouldn't have to give him booster shots once he does join. You know, that's the big problem is even if they join. People drift away. They go down and they look for their land in Florida and all they see is well, part of the Gulf of Mexico. They get back to the church and they ask about it and they go, well, you didn't walk out far enough or you should have gone further down the beach. You have to give booster shots. You have to keep hyping the non-existent. Even after people believe they've bought it, you have to keep going, oh yes. I say that's why people talk about themselves. I say that's why thought refuses, or cannot say, you look at it in all kinds of humorous ways, allegorical ways,
cannot face up to what it is, which is to say it can't face up to what it's not, which is anything. So a man continually talks about himself, having nothing to do with vanity. Now, I don't bring it up and say that, as you know, it's not me saying that you shouldn't because of vanity or because God doesn't like it. All it does is keep you asleep. There is no better way to stay deluded. No better at all. Of course, you can still be talking about yourself internally, but at least if you stop doing it overtly and you continue to press on, surely it'll work itself out because you understand what's going on. It's just you lose interest in it. Because you see why it is? It is really you sticking your own eye out. It's you singing yourself to sleep. It's you singing yourself into a greater degree of stupidity for the moment. It's all it is. But it's understandable once you see it. That there is no you, and therefore one of its main occupations is promoting itself. Assuring itself and others, yes, I am me. There is somebody here. Listen to me. Let me tell you what's happened to me. If I wasn't on me, wait, let me tell you. I didn't tell you the whole story about when I was in Paris last time. And this beautiful chick and this weekend, wait till I tell you that. It's like you've got a history, so it must be a you. You do exist. Not just physically, but you exist because you remember the weekend. You remember her name. You remember her smell, even. Oh. You remember all these details. So for somebody to say there is no you... Obviously, they're wrong. Thought, what we call thought, does the same thing. Well, right, I'll stop after I'll try it one more way. It doesn't actually do the same thing because thought does not talk about itself. <coughs> but if it's mentioned, which I mention all the time, and you apparently think about thought, you go, yeah, yeah, I know what it is. No, you don't. You can't know what it is because it's not anything. It's a medium. There is no thought. Whatever it is, is a reference to something else. It would be like this if thought did exist. If there were such thing as thoughts, then here's the way they operate. Every time you go up to thought and you go, are you a thought? They go, nah, I'm that tree over there. No, I'm that, I'm that girl in that weekend, that, you know, that vague, that two or three days that you remember in Paris? I'm that. In other words, every time you went to a thought and you even looked at it like, you're even about to ask, are you a thought? It would immediately go, oh, and it'd point somewhere. And the thing is, you have to look because you're the finger doing the pointing. It's the thought pointing itself. That is, it's pointing away from itself, which is to say it's not even there. But it apparently goes, no, over here. And yet that's what makes it profitable because no other organ, no other operation, no other function, no other feature of man can do that. That's what freedom is, comparably speaking. That's what freedom that conscious thought has, the ability to consider things not as they are, they are, not as in the same way that the our hormonal instinctive self, our physical self is faced with. Conscious thought can look at something, and that's the whole point. It can see it. It can see pictures. It can manipulate words. It can just immediately look at something and start conscious thought go, wait a minute. If I picked up the left end of that thing and I folded it on top of itself, then I could in some way get it at an angle that would stay there while water ran over it, that son of a bitch would make bread and maybe sweep my floors and do my taxes. And it all happened just like that. Nowhere. Magic. Magic lantern. You saw pictures. Pictures were produced up there in the conscious, what we call the conscious area of the brain. 
And you did all that instantly. Not even actually putting your hands on whatever it was. That's what thought can do. But yet there is no such thing as thought. Their thought is not a thing. Whenever you're thinking, I give up. You're not thinking. You're thinking about something else. You're not thinking about thinking. If there is such a thing as thinking, you're not doing it. Because thinking would be thinking. You're thinking about something. It's all right. But if you realize it, it will change everything. It changes the feeling that, boy, I have strong opposition. This state of sleep is formidable. Talk about it. You make a little Fred boy, it's like fighting this gigantic, this unbelievably size of, you know, goo. You fight it and it's just, you know, the eternal or the infinite sized tar baby. The more you fight it, it just seems good. You make a little progress and there's no way out. Yeah, there is. I repeat one more time. I don't know why it never strikes people, at least as curious. Or at the better scene, why it doesn't wake everyone in the world up, or at least make their sleep unbearable, is to realize that nobody figures anything out, and that nobody realizes that nobody figures anything out. Remember, about matters non-physical. If you can't hold it in your hand, that's what we're talking about. And what we can't hold in our hand to people nowadays is the cream of life, the most important aspects of life to most people. It's not what you're going to have for dinner or whether you're going to have dinner. It's not whether you're going to have to walk home in a dangerous rainstorm. No, it's not. It's whether you're going to drive home in a Mercedes or a Honda. If you can't hold it, you don't know anything about it. If you can't hold it in your hands, human thought made it up. And I can see reasons we've been through all this, but whatever it is, if you can't hold it in your hand, if you can't get to it somewhere, pick the damn thing up and hold it. Whatever it is, then what we call thought made it up. Except there is no such thing as thought. The concept is something that thought carries. The thing, this non-tangible thing. It is thought referring to something that doesn't exist. And yet thought does not exist without referring to something. It is an arrangement that had P.T. Barnum seen it, he would have gone, God damn, why didn't I think of that? But of course it worked out because it thought of P.T. Barnum, which is the answer to that song. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.